Good morning, everyone. Welcome to church. Welcome to Trinity. My name is Jenny Seibel. I'm one of the pastors here and um, happy Advent to you. We are excited to be entering into this season together. And a lot of you are actually new to Trinity, which is one of the miracles of this season is that we are still able to find each other despite not being able to meet together like uh, normal on Sundays. So I'm going to talk a little bit today about what the liturgical year is in general, and then we're going to talk about what Advent is and how we participate in this season well, and um, then we're going to get into our text today. So before we do all of that, let's go ahead and read the text. We're in Isaiah 64, which is smack dab in the middle of a lament, someone praying a lament to God. Um, So we'll start there, and then I'll pray, and then we'll talk about the liturgical year. The text says, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down so that the mountains would quake at your presence as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil to make your name known to your adversaries so that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence from ages past. No one has heard No ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who works for those who wait for him. You meet those who gladly do right, those who remember you in your ways, but you are angry and we sinned because you hid yourself. We transgressed. We have all become like the one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth. We all fade like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind take us away. There is no one who calls on your name or attempts to take hold of you for you have hidden your face from us and you have delivered us into the hand of our iniquity. Yet, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be exceedingly angry, O Lord, and do not remember your iniquity forever. Now consider we are all your people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, what a gift it is to enter into this season together. Um, As we enter into these um, dark places, Lord, you send us out into them together with one vision, um, with one scripture, one text, one Lord to lead us through it. I thank you for this text in particular, Lord, and I pray that you would Um, impress upon us what it means to engage in this season well, what it means to lament well, to wait well. We praise you, Jesus, for your birth and for the, the gift that it is to prepare for it, the luxury that it is to know that we're not waiting in vain. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what is the liturgical year? What is the church calendar? Um, This is a way that we as the church and the church for a very long time has uh, walked with Jesus throughout the events of his life in our own time and space. We have the anticipation of his incarnation. We have his birth, his growing up, his life, his teaching, his death, 
his resurrection and his ascension. And all of this happens kind of within like a six month period for us in the church calendar. We start Advent, the very beginning of the church year around December, early December. Um, And then it goes through all the way through his life up until his ascension, which usually ends around June 1st. And then we go into this extended season that we're just now coming out of called ordinary time. Um, So these seasons that we go through from December to June, are a way for us to commemorate the life of Jesus and to kind of walk with him through the events of his life. There are high seasons like Christmas tide and Easter tide, as we call them. And there are also seasons of preparation for those seasons, which are Advent and Lent. And what we do in these times is we walk with Jesus. We learn what it looks like to walk through these seasons with him so that when we come to those very real seasons of either waiting or um, sadness or joy, these seasons where we get to celebrate, we actually do those things well. And we know how to do it from watching Jesus do it throughout the course of his life. Right now, we're coming out of the six months of ordinary time. And what I love about ordinary time is that it is a space for us, a really long (laughs) chunk of time where we learn not to live in the high places and not to live in the low places, but to kind of live out what does everyday discipleship look like with Jesus. So as we're coming out of this, that six months, we're moving into the season of Advent. Um, So why do we, why do we do the liturgical calendar? What's it, what's it for? It reminds us that we belong to a different time, a kind of higher time, as someone I know put it, not one darn thing after another. Um, it's a sacred time and it encompasses, but also transcends linear time that lo- we live within. It teaches us to submit to the rhythms of the life of Jesus himself. In a phrase, the liturgical calendar is deeply formational. For those of you who have trouble being joyful and celebrating, which may sound crazy to some of you, but it's just true for those of us who it is true of. Um, We have the whole season of Easter, 50 whole days where we are required to have disciplined joy through that season. For those of us who have a hard time walking um, in pain and actually restricting ourselves and having discipline, we walk through the season of Lent for 40 days. And for All of us, we are all impatient, struggle with waiting and also with things like consumerism. And that's what the season of Advent helps us do is it helps us focus on those things and ask really good questions about how to be people who wait well. So speaking of Advent, um, Advent comes from a Latin word, which means coming, Um, that there have been and will be a second. There has been one coming of Jesus and will be a second one that Jesus came in the incarnation. He was born. Um, and now we kind of live in that after space. And yet we live in a, in a not yet where Jesus will come again for a second time and restore all things to himself. You've heard us say it before and you'll hear us say it again. We're living in an already and a not yet. That's uh, the period of time that we're living in now. And the thing about that is that is always true. That's just true of the time in which we live in the world. But we just don't have a lot of space to really think about that or um, space for our brains and also our souls to kind of like wrap around that idea. And so Advent is a real gift to us in that it gives us the time and the space to really think about the fact that we live in a sort of in-between. So why, why the candles? Why the darkness? And why lament? In a sense... To be the people of God historically has meant to be a people who are in darkness, who are waiting for the coming of the light, the coming of God. 
Um, whether they were waiting for Jesus to come as a baby or whether it's us waiting for all of creation, waiting for his return, the darkness is the before, like right before the sunrise, waiting for the light to come. It's why the theme for us of this season is O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. We acknowledge that we're living in a time that isn't right. And we've said that for years at the beginning of Advent and maybe no year for a lot of us in recent memory feels as much that way as this year does. We acknowledge that things aren't right, but we also acknowledge that things will be made right. And even now Jesus is working in the world to begin to restore all things to himself. But we also are able to be honest and acknowledge as Christians that it, it hasn't been fulfilled or completed. And so therefore we take this season to really think about that, that we live in this kind of dark before space. People for a really long time have described this season um, that we're meant to have a sort of bright sadness, um, that we have the sadness of the moment and of pain and the fact that people die and we live in this, this world that seems to be just in flames sometimes. But we also know as Christians that the light is coming. So we can be sad, but it's going to have a little brightness to it. And so that's what we do in this season. We can be in the dark and yet we can rejoice because we know that Jesus is coming. In order to engage any season well, really, but in particular Advent, I think because Jesus is embodied literally in this season, um, what we want to do is we want to help you engage in this season well so that it's not just a, and don't hear me you know, telling you not to have a nice quiet time with Dietrich Bonhoeffer or whoever, but if you get like a little devotional and spend 30 minutes every morning doing that for Advent, but then change nothing else about the rest of your life, it's going to be really hard to really embody and engage the season well. And so what we've done for you is we've made an Advent engagement guide. And this came out either in a midweek reader for you, if you're subscribed to that, or it's on our website and you can go and find it there and download it. And this is a way for us to kind of introduce the season and some themes of this season, but also some suggestions for how you can engage yourself or with your family or with anyone that you live with, um, ways that you can even engage all of your senses. I mean, even decorate your house. Um, some of the suggestions are like people sometimes use less lights during Advent. Um, this is not, I have a, you know, a one-year-old. I will not be only using candles when, <laughs> when the sun goes down. That would be dangerous. But um, there's a way we can, can kind of incorporate those things into our life to remember throughout the entire day that this is a season that we're engaging in with the spirit of God. And it's not just contained to one part of the day. Another way that you can engage is you can fast, which is typically uh, we only talk about during seasons like Lent. Um, but actually fasting is a very Adventy thing to do as we wait for Jesus, as we wait for him to come. Uh, we fast and then we're able to really celebrate on Christmas Day um, when Jesus, we celebrate that Jesus was born. So our theme for this season is heaven meets earth. And so you're going to hear us say that an, around the next uh, few weeks during the season of Advent. And what this means for us is we're, we're going to look at ways in which heaven met earth with Jesus and his incarnation. We're going to look at ways in which heaven continues to meet earth right now with us in our lives with the spirit of God. And we're going to look at what it means for heaven to meet earth ultimately. What does it look like when heaven finally meets earth in the last days? What does that look like? What does it mean for us? What does it mean for the world? 
So as we do that, we want you to engage in ways that heaven meets earth for you in your life. And I know that like a blue tablecloth may not feel um, that much like heaven meets earth, but these small ways are going to help you engage and really think about that. So let's get to our text for today. We're in Isaiah and um, we're in 64 verse one. However, what happens in 64 is it kind of jumps right in the middle of something that's already happening. If you start in chapter 63 verse seven, and then you read through chapter 64, it's going to feel a lot like a Psalm if you're familiar with the Psalms. And why that is, is because it is a lament Psalm. Um, It's the same kind of genre that that you would see in the Psalms that's happening here in Isaiah. And so we're entering right in the middle of this lament is, is the issue. So it starts with the person talking about the deeds of God and how wonderful he is and all the things that God has done and worshiping and praising. And then being sorrowful, actually giving like a list of like what's hard about this moment. And then where we cut in is where the, the demand kind of comes in, the plea, the cry, oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. We enter right here in this moment cut into it in the middle, a scene where someone has grown impatient and they are tired and they really want God to intervene. And all of us, I think, know what this feels like, especially this year. My guess is that some of us um, haven't prayed in a really long time. And this year may have brought you to your knees in a way that hasn't in a long time. We live in an age where we pray when we are desperate. And so I think the lectionary is actually very prophetic in how it cuts us right into the, the middle of this lament and says, we're skipping over all the other stuff and we're going right to the demand. So this is the interesting thing um, about this text is that as we see, if you go back and read it a second time and really get it in your brain, um, we see that God doesn't actually tear open the heavens. Um, God, in fact, sometimes or in this moment kind of even hides himself more. It's so much so that the person reading this or writing this says that they're sinning more because God is hiding himself more. So like blaming their own sins on the hiddenness of God and who of us hasn't done it. I think this text is incredibly relatable. So in this text, this person is saying, I can't find you. It's making things worse for me. And God feels nowhere to be found. And in this text, cutting into this lament, I think this is, this is a really prophetic thing that's happening. Um, as I said, so many of us go through seasons of dryness and prayer. And what is it that brings us back to a life of prayer? It's, it's this moment. It's, oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. This posture of waiting that the person is doing in this text um, is, is a thing that we have grown unaccustomed to. Waiting feels like pain to us. That's how our brains interpret waiting. Um, And we are so bad at waiting. We live in a world with Instant Pots and Uber Eats. And I mean, we don't have to wait for anything, even in terms of for for me. And I'm sure this is true for you. As soon as I become bored, feels like suffering. And I grab something to engage myself so that I'm distracted and I don't have to feel bored. I feel entertained constantly. 
Um, even today, as we were setting up things here, I had a podcast on, which I'm not saying is bad. I think God can come to us through podcasts um, and sometimes even through TV. And that is one of my most favorite ways that God loves to come to me. Um, but in this kind of age, we have entertainment constantly. And so it's no surprise to me that for myself even, and I'm sure for a lot of us, the only time of day I ever come, be, like become silent is in prayer. So of course, I'm going to feel the rush of anxiety that comes in that moment. It's going to deter me from praying because all the things I've been, all the thoughts I've been casting off so that I don't have to listen to them. They come rushing into that moment of prayer. And it feels like a weight that God's putting on me that God never intended. We are bad at waiting. Um, And I blame it on our phones, but not even just on our phones, on our TVs, on all of these screens and ways that we engage all the time. And we're just not quiet. I think we're constantly having the heavens torn apart for us on. I just recently in the last few months got on Twitter and it's like, everyone is trying to rend the heavens in 140 characters or less. It's like we constantly have just things blowing up in our faces. And so of course that's the first thing we ask God for. And it's the only way we expect to see him and act in the world. So many of us are in a season of, self-care, which I I think is really good. I think it's good for us to have boundaries. And yet if we only ever go have like self-compassion and no like grit or drive in seasons of waiting, that is how every season of waiting is going to be. Annie Dillard says, how we spend our days is how we spend our lives. If you want to be someone who's gritty, who like really digs into seasons of pain and waiting, it starts now. It starts with whatever season that you're in now. We have to get into a a liturgy of waiting well instead of like a liturgy of, of distraction from boredom. It's going to help us engage in pain well throughout the rest of our lives. God wants to do for us in waiting seasons that cannot be done any other way. And what I think that is specifically is teaching us to see the ways in which God comes to us in ordinary places and in ordinary things. Advent is about seeing God in surprisingly ordinary places. The formation of Advent is actually found at the end of this lament. We find God not tearing open the heavens and coming down and proclaiming some kind of, you know, mysterious thing. And they're like fire raining from heaven. None of that happens. What actually happens towards the end of the the, uh, text we just read, if you go back and read it, it says, yet you are like a father to us. The way that God comes is not through the rending of the heavens. God comes like a father who shapes the character of his children over years and years. God comes like, a, like an artist, like a potter who's sitting down in the corner of a room, patiently making the lump of clay into something that is useful, something that's good. That's how we find God. And it's a reminder this season that God didn't come as the Messiah, like out of the clouds. He came as a baby. Uh, Scott Erickson, who does a lot of Advent artwork. I remember last year being so struck by one of his um, pieces of art where he said, isn't it interesting that the first feeling of God anyone ever got was morning sickness, (laughs) nausea, um, Mary's feelings in those, that first trimester. It's the way that God comes to us in these really small ways that we can't see and we can't hear if we're constantly covering up our, our quietness and our boredom, our suffering. We're not going to hear and see God in the ways that he delights to come. And he actually does come most of the time. 
I've encountered God in some really extraordinary ways in my life, but I can probably count them on, on two hands, maybe even one. Um, the ways that God comes to me when I'm really looking for it uh, is in ordinary things. And it's all the time. It's, it's all day and even all night. Sometimes <laughs> if you have kids or insomnia, um, God comes to us in the smallest and most beautiful and most ordinary and sometimes surprising ways. Some of the ways in which God has typically comes to me in really ordinary ways over the courses of my days are things like a gift. Um, someone gives me a gift and I can have a really holy and beautiful moment um, or words of encouragement. God has come to me many times throughout my life through prescription antidepressants. Um, God comes to me in books. God comes to me in, in working out the logistics of life with my husband. Um, God really, really comes to me through cars, <laughs> through car troubles, <laughs> which I learned actually from my husband. He thinks it's like the number one way that God wants to speak to us is through our cars, <laughs> metaphorically. Um, but when I was thinking about this list and like, what do I really, like, God, where have you really come to me in a very ordinary thing? This is the experience that came to mind. Um, when I was around 25, I was in one of the darkest places of my life. And, um, my boyfriend had broken up with me, which I thought was for the last time. He's now my husband. So it ended up well, but, um, I was working 30 hours a week for $8 an hour, which I think is, is cruelty. <laughs> At this point I look back and I'm like, I should call them and tell them that was not okay. Um, but that's how much I was getting paid. I had almost no money. I mean, it was, it was a dark time, not to mention I was going through a lot of family things. I was learning about codependency that I had with my mom who was married to an alcoholic who was on his way to rock bottom. And I had no idea what to do with any of these things. And my only prayer was, God, would you rend the heavens and come down? Um, I had no clue what it was that I was supposed to do about that situation. And so I decided I was going to go to counseling, but because I made the least, the least amount of money of anyone in Atlanta at that time, um, I decided I was going to have to figure something out. So I went to Richmond Graduate School and they have student counselors there who will take on people for almost nothing. And, um, and so I worked with a student. I was her very first person she ever saw. And I was there for a full year, May to May of a year. And um, I was the last person she ever saw as she was a student. And I I'll tell you, we were both on the struggle bus. We were both complete hot messes. Neither of us knew what we were doing. Um, I went every Thursday uh, or every other Thursday for an entire year. And I can't, it's not even a good story. I can't even tell you what happened to me. <laughs> I accept that I was miserable for most of the time. And I, I came out a person who experienced a kind of resurrection. I was incredibly different afterwards. And I, I blame most of my emotional adult health on that woman. And I don't even know her name. <laughs> I don't remember her uh, first or last name. I don't know where she is. I can't even thank her for it. Um, but all that to say like this most ordinary, slow, gosh, drug out experience, God changed my life forever. And it took way longer than I wanted it to. Um, and yet that was the really ordinary way in which God came to me and it, it changed my life. And, I, and I'm so thankful for, for those small ways that God wants to come to us. And I'm thankful for seasons like Advent that remind me like that's where you will find him. You have to look and you have to be quiet enough, quiet your heart. 
I think it's why the angels went to the shepherds to tell them first about the birth of Jesus, because they were awake. They were looking, they were watching, they were quiet. They were standing around, you know, waiting for something. They were willing to look and listen. So all that to say, the prayer of God that you would tear open the heavens and come down is not a bad prayer. It is a very good and necessary prayer. It is a prayer we ought to be praying all of the time for something somewhere. Our world is too messed up to not pray that prayer every day. And yet, if we as Christians do not couple it with God, would you show me the ways in which you are already here? We're going to miss all the ways that God is working around us all the ways that God is actually speaking. If you want to begin to hear the voice of God in your life, which I'm sure you do, you have to slow down and listen and ask him where he already is. So these are the two prayers that I'm praying this Advent and I invite you to join me. God, would you show up? And God, would you show me the, the ways in which you are already showing up? It's the way we live into that already and not yet of this season. We're going to ask God to make heaven meet earth this season. Um, but we're also asking God, what are the ways in which that's happening all around us? We're so excited to be in this season with you all celebrating Advent. We're going to be even more excited once Christmas comes celebrating that with you. Um, and we'll be so glad to see you here in a minute in our parking lot. So uh, we'll see you then. Amen. <laughs>